Welcome to the Billingshurst Family Church Podcast. For more information or to support our work in Billingshurst and the surrounding areas, please visit billingshurstfamily.church. Okay, so good morning and welcome. My name is Nick, as was said, and I'm part of the leadership team at Billingshurst Family Church here. It's good to see so many new faces too. When I was hosting the meeting the last few times, I noticed that there was a real change of faces over the room. New people from all backgrounds. We've seen people moving on, others stay, and new people joining. The church has changed and is still changing. We all experience change in different elements of our lives, in, in places of work, our homes, our children, our parents, our friends, and, and many more things. Change is all around us, whether we want it or not. We are now back in our Judges series after, after a few months' break and find ourselves looking at a person in Scripture where we see a huge amount of change over a short period of time. And this is Gideon. But before we get into our Scripture that my lovely wife will read for us shortly, let us pray. Yeah, dear Lord, I ask that today you open our eyes more clearly to what you are doing all around us. I ask that you move, you move us to be in line with what you are doing in this place and where we spend our time. Lord, I ask that you use all of your people in whatever way we are called to. And we want to see kingdom change in front of our eyes wherever we go, because you are there, Lord. Amen. Honey, would you mind sharing? One little note from H, turn it on. (laughs) So I'm reading from Judges 6. Um, And strap yourselves in, it's quite a long one. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites, because the power of the Midian was so oppressive. The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Wherever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amechalites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops and all the, and all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites carried, cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hands of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you gave before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in who, whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of an Ophra, Ophra, don't know, that belonged to the Joash, Joash in the Is. <laughs> They, oh yeah, just be confident. I said, be confident and they'll get it. <laughs> a bee's right, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites, where the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. 
But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in the Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside and prepared a young goat, and, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. And the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day it stands in an offer of the Abyssalites. Another page. And that same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah, Asherah pole beside it. And then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of his, this height, using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning, when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished. The Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son, he must die because he's broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead to Baal's cause? Are you going to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jeroboam. That day saying, let Baal contend with him. Now all the, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abyssalites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms and also into Asher, Zebulun, and something else, so that they went up to meet them. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hands, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that, that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that's what happened. 
Gideon rose early the next day, and he squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. And that night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry, and all the ground was covered with dew. Well done, honey. I'm pleased you to do that. Thank you for that. <laughs> wow, well, there was a lot going on there, but, but it's such a big story. Let, let, let's find out what that was all about. Well, we start off by seeing that the Israelites, again, are doing evil in the sight of the Lord. They have been worshipping other gods alongside the one true God, Yahweh. And God, again, has allowed their enemies to torment them. This enemy, however, seems more ravenous than what we have read previously. They are described as locusts, consuming everything before them, like one of the plagues that the Egyptians had to endure. There are, most, there are more than the Israelites are able to count. They have left Israel with nothing. Their response is to cry out to the Lord, and he decides to send them a prophet to spell it out. They are worshipping the gods of the Amorites, and our God is a jealous God. It says this in Exodus 20, verse 5. He wants the people of Israel as his special possession, just like he wants us today, as his special possession alone. The Israelites have broken the first of the Ten Commandments. It's first because it is the most important. You shall worship no other gods but me. Israel is in trouble and doesn't know how to find relief without God's help. We then move on to Gideon, who is hiding in a winepress, which is dug into the floor of the rocks, hidden from sight until you're almost on top of it. He is separating the wheat from the straw to turn it into flour. We know he is hiding because it says that he is hiding from the Midianites, the enemy. The passage tells us that again, that the angel of the Lord comes and sits against a tree close by and greets Gideon by saying, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. This greeting looks very different from the picture that we have been shown so far. We are seeing a man hiding food in a pit that cannot be seen from the land. He is fearful of what may or may not happen. He has no confidence in what will what he will be able he has no confidence that he will be able to defend himself or his possessions and the angel greets him as a hero a mighty warrior i see a warrior as fearless and confident in their surroundings able to stand up and look after themselves and others not full of fear and hiding in a hole in the ground gideon responds with a question not about himself but responds with, who is this God? He hasn't been there for us since we left Egypt. I don't know him. And he he isn't stopping these invaders from taking everything we have. The angel responds by saying, don't you know who I am? It's Yahweh sending you. Gideon doesn't get it because he doesn't realise that God is in fact with him. 
Again, he responds as, as he is, which is a weak man from a weak family with no power. Not this mighty warrior that he was greeted as. How many of us feel sometimes that we are overwhelmed by the situation that is hard enough just to get through? And people come up to us and say something nice, like, you are so good at that, or you have such a talent at this. And we just dismiss it. We say that this is nothing, or oh, I'm, I'm not sure about that, when inside we're saying that if you really knew the struggles that I've been going through, you wouldn't say that about me. If only you knew how hard it is just to get through each day, you wouldn't speak so highly of me. A quote that I discovered when preparing this preach was, Satan knows your name but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin but calls you by your name. The devil and the world will try and put you down in order to elevate themselves. It wants to show you a standard that isn't actually there or real and be controlled by it, addicted to it. Whereas God knows who you are. He knows everything about you and your past and your future because he gives you us an identity and yet he still calls you his son and daughter. One of the characteristics of love in Corinthians 13 is hope. He has ambition for you, big hopes for you, that he wants to see you achieve and will help you do that. He knows you and wants to be there on the journey you are on every step of the way. The passage continues, and in the Lord's answer, so in the passage continues, and in it the Lord answers something like, in that case, I will do I will do this with you. And you won't just try and fight the enemy. That is taking over your life and controlling you. You will completely annihilate it. The response that Gideon gives is a glimmer of hope. He responds with, okay, if this is true, then I need a sign. I need to know that this is really God speaking, not a man. He won't go and do something just because someone has said something to him. He needs to be convinced and know it in his innermost being. He responds in a way which sounds something like, but I will show faith and make an offering, which the angel agrees to and waits. Now Gideon, in a time of famine, in shortage of food, is generous with his offering. Considering at the start of the conversation he was hiding some wheat that would make a loaf of bread, he brings out a full meal Meat, bread, broth. This costs him and would have been a costly mistake, but he wanted change and was willing to take a chance on something new. The angel receives it and Gideon places it on a stone and suddenly the angel reaches out with his staff and the meal is turned to fire and the angel is gone. Now this actually was a good thing. This, wasn't God, this was God accepting the offer this wasn't him trying to save people's lives because he couldn't cook. <laughs> but God responds. Gideon, at that moment, realizes he has met with God. God responds in the moment and says, don't be afraid, and reassures him. Gideon is led to worship God 
when he realises what has happened. Gideon, in that moment, met God face to face. This was rare in the Old Testament, and it is now. In order for God to listen to prayer, you would have to take a sacrifice to, to the priests, and they would clean you of their sins with that sacrifice. You see, sin stops them and stops us from having relationship with God. It separates us and acts like a blockade to our relationship with him. In the Old Testament times, the only way to remove this was a sacrifice. However, this changed with one man, Jesus. He came to earth 100% man and 100% God and lived the perfect life, sinless and died on the cross as a perfect sacrifice that would cover all sin for all time and all, for all those who accept him as their Lord, God and Saviour. If you accept him into your life, we will have that blockade removed and have access to this relationship with God. When we meet with God for the first time, everything changes in that moment. We may feel that we aren't alone, that the world is full of colour, and that our burdens that we have held onto have been lifted. And we're not struggling single-handedly anymore. For Gideon, this is a joyful occasion and also a time of worship and peace in the midst of oppression and struggle. However, like us, this doesn't mean that our lives get easier. And neither did Gideon's. God told him to go and destroy the shrine to another God. Gideon had, uh, God had asked Gideon to take responsibility for his family. This is terrifying. How many of us, when we became Christians, had to explain to others what that meant? We may have been moved by God that certain parts of our lives had to change. I know I did. I felt guilt for things that I had done wrong in the past and haven't ever felt guilt for before. I had to go and apologise to those people that, that I had hurt and done wrong to. I was terrified of what my family would think and how they would respond to my new faith. Gideon had it much worse than I did when I looked back. But, the times, but at the time, was, these things seemed like mountains. To tell my family what it meant. Gideon could be killed for what he was going to do. But he was obedient to the Lord and did what he asked. However, he did it at night, when fewer people were around, so he had less chance of being found out. In the morning, they wake up and they find out who did it, probably because all the servants said, it wasn't me, he told me to do it. His father stands up and defends him. He says, if this God whose altar was cut down has a problem with it, let him deal with it, not you. Look at the steps that Gideon has made. He started by hiding in a wine press because he was afraid that the oppressors would take his food. Now he is destroying the altar to their God because he was doing what the Lord commanded. 
Yes, he did it at night. However, he still did it. God was changing this man bit by bit, step by step. How many of us can say that we have done things we wouldn't have been able to do before if we hadn't had God in our lives? I know I can. I used to get stage fright. When I was on a stage like this, I would freeze and not be able to say anything. I would speak with a stutter when I was nervous. God has worked in me to enable me to do this. He may be working in certain people in this room now. And the steps he is doing in you may not be as big and dramatic as, as it is with Gideon. But they are steps. Then the last part of the passage, we see that Gideon is calling all the tribes and their warriors together to fight the enemy. And he has a moment to pause. He asks God a question to make sure that it is what he is doing, it is what God has asked him to do. Do I think he is scared? Yes. But I don't believe his response is led by fear. But from a desire to follow what God wants. Gideon says, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and the ground is dry, then I know that you will save Israel by my hand, and as you have said. When Gideon is saying, what Gideon is saying is, I need to know something. I need to know what you want me to do. And if, if you tell me what it is, then I will do it. I will do what you ask. But I want you to answer me in a way that I know it can only be you. This is something that I ask myself all the time. Asking the Lord to help me and speak to me in a way that only he can. Gideon receives his answer and in order to be sure he asks it again for a sign and the Lord answers. Now I'm not saying that this is something we should do, definitely not. But by his grace, he answered. This passage is a story of how Gideon took small steps of faith. Testing the waters. Seeing if, the next, seeing if his next steps are the ones he should definitely take. Before then, going on and having success in battle. God gives him a new identity. That, that of a mighty warrior. An identity Gideon isn't sure of. But nevertheless, by faith, he follows God. Double checks and then obediently does what God has told him. Throughout the scripture, we are seeing a man whose relationship with God is growing. He is meeting with God who is changing both him and the situation. God does this in Gideon, giving him priorities of being close to him, to worship him alone and to follow what the Lord is telling him and ensuring that he is being precise on how he follows the Lord. All of this comes through relationship. This relationship which has grown through the passage. God chose certain people to have relationships with in the Old Testament. We have access to this same relationship with God through his son, Jesus. 
who died on the cross to take away our sin. We can have this relationship with a living God. A God who is still at work all around us. A God who lives in us through his Holy Spirit. This God speaks to us all the time in prayer, through scripture, through the prophetic, and through his Holy Spirit. So uh, here are three ways we can respond to what I have shared today. First way is if you have never had relationship with God before, or have had at one point but now feels distant from him and want that relationship back, then I invite you to pray now and ask Jesus to come into your life. It's starting that relationship or rebuilding it much like Gideon did in this passage. This morning, you have an invitation from God to meet with him again. My, may I encourage you, if this is you, please can you tell someone who can pray for you. We have a ministry team here this morning whose role it is, is to pray for people. Please, may I encourage you to meet with, meet with them after or in the time of response in worship. The next way is to respond, is to listen to God. Not just meet with him in prayer, but to, to listen, to spend time praying, reading your Bibles, spending time in his presence, of, of, in, spending time in the presence of God each day, carving out focused time which is for him and you and listening to him in those moments. He may be challenging you to change elements of your life and see what is really important. Are you prioritizing Sunday mornings to devote time where we have an opportunity to meet with him and hear what he is speaking to us? This relationship will change things. It says this in Romans 12 too. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Things will change because you will have chosen a relationship with Jesus. If you are making this a priority, other things will go down the list. Then the final way we can respond is by inviting God into challenges and decisions in your life. The decisions in your life that we need guidance and help to understand the situation or even opportunities we find ourselves in. Asking him to guide us in the big decisions that will cost us. We want to be sure that that our lives are following what God's intention is for us. Are we giving those questions to God? Are we checking with them, asking God? Are we asking him to lead us, not just in the decisions, but through the decision also? Letting him have a say in, in what is happening before and through what is going on around us. Then the hardest part is listening to his response and being patient in a world that de- demands a response straight away. We all here today need to know that change comes through relationship with Jesus. For some, this may be a reminder of something that we already know. For others, this may be new or just harder to hear.
Not all the change will be easy. And not every change offered will be what God wants us to follow. We must be in tune with what God is saying. And the way we do this is through relationship with Jesus. Knowing our God intimately helps us to know what he is saying to us. In uh, us that we know who, what he is saying. Can I invite the band up? Who here wants to see change in, in the village and in our lives? I know I do. I want God to speak to me in my life and for me to respond and know where he is leading me. I want to be able to ask him precisely what he wants me to do and I want to respond like that. I want to see Billingshurst full of what God is doing. People meeting with him powerfully because they are being faithful to what he wants of, of them in their lives. I want to see people coming to this church with testimonies of how God met with them and directed them and they felt closer to him than they ever have done before. This will only happen through change. When we meet Jesus and we can be a people who have the joy of having a relationship with God who is in control and he's on the journey with us. Gideon met with God and eventually a nation is saved. The people here in Billingshurst meet with God. Who knows what will happen? Only God. Let's pray. Yeah, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. I thank you that you use this man, God, to do amazing things, Lord. And that he pointed to you. But Lord, this morning, I just ask that we have a real intimate relationship with you. That we come back into your presence. That we come back to know your scripture, your prayer, and we worship you with our hearts, not just our voices. Lord, I pray that all of us here today, that we go away changed. Because we're all taking steps of faith, no matter what they look like for us. And they will all be different. And Lord, I pray that we can be a people of hope. Because you are a God of hope, who has hope for us. That gives us a new identity, and you know who you are asking us to be. Lord, help us be those people that you're calling us to be, Lord. Amen.